everyone, this is Dan Miller and you're listening to Speaking of Products. On this show, I focus on what it takes to start and grow a business around technology products. These days, there are so many fantastic people creating all sorts of wonderful technology products that make our world a better place. For every one of the popular platforms you know and love, there are many more new and lesser known ones on the way. I'm on the journey myself to create a technology product business, and so I've produced this podcast as a way of sharing the ideas, strategies, and tactics I discover on the way. There's always something we can learn from ambitious founders and what they do to get ahead. The goals here are to highlight what has worked for the success stories and to uncover what is going on with those hidden gems. Hi there, and welcome to episode four of Speaking of Products. I've got a great show this week. It's a two-part. First, I've made some good progress since the last episode in my own product journey, so I'll be sharing that with you. And also, I look at some of the personal questions that self-funded bootstrappers like you and I might like to consider when deciding to focus on products in our business. Okay, let's get into the update. You might recall in the last episode, I was feeling like I wanted to do, be doing a little bit more with my product. I was kind of frustrated in a way with the lack of progress I was making. Well, this week in my product journey, I am glad to say that I'm feeling excellent. I've made what I feel is some very good progress. Following last episode, I had planned on setting up a development workspace with a set of necessary tools and frameworks so that I could get started on my product. And I also wanted to revisit that attempt at understanding my early pre-product marketing options. So how did I go? Well, on setting up my development workspace, I give that a 10 out of 10. I feel I achieved everything that I had hoped for at this point, probably more. In case you're wondering what I mean when I say development workspace, you can think about it like this. Whenever you're creating a new product or whether it's physical or virtual, you're going to be working on it using an environment that suits you using whatever tools that make sense for whatever it is you're building. For example, let's say you're creating a cookbook, that's your product. Your development workspace in that case might look like a notebook so that you can sketch out your recipe ideas, a kitchen so that you can actually try out your recipes and refine them, photography equipment so you can capture mouth-watering images of your masterpieces, a computer with word processing software so that you can draft the manuscript for your book, and tools for creating the final proof copy of your book, ready to send off to the printer. Another example, probably quite topical, let's say you are making designer face masks. You know, face masks for people that want to feel a bit stylish when protecting themselves and those around them from spreading viruses. The development workspace in that scenario might include a sketchbook or software to help draw up designs for face masks. You might need a room with a large table space and tools to cut out materials and one or many sewing machines and associated tools to stitch the parts of each face mask together. So how does this relate to my development workspace? Well, in episode three, I mentioned I'm venturing down the path of my product involving software. In this case, a workspace for me involves everything necessary to, you guessed it, design and build software. In the business of software, a workspace is known as a development environment. It's one of the core elements that all software developers establish early on. My initial development environment includes the following. Decisions on technologies and approaches that define the architecture of the software I'm building. I've got a PC with a fairly decent set of software development tools, uh, a place to store the source code for the software, and this is what's known as a code repository. 
I've got a location and framework for taking notes and writing useful doco about the product as it's being developed and a basic set of starting or boilerplate code to put the development environment through its paces. Like I said up front, I've had some very good progress on this. I was able to set up everything I'd hoped for. And now I'm able to get started on the product itself. The next thing I was thinking of working on was getting started with the marketing options. I believe I've made a decent start in this area. The plan was that I would grab a hold of a book that provides some guidance on early stage marketing for technical founders. I did pick up a copy of a book. Uh, I got the book named Start Marketing the Day You Start Coding. And that's by a gentleman named Rob Walling. He's quite well known in the uh, startup founder space. Rob's the host of a podcast known as Startups for the Rest of Us. I urge you to check that out if you haven't already done so. It's got a lot of great ideas in there. And Rob's book is really distilling a lot of ideas that he has to help founders who are self-funded and getting started with building technical products. All right, so I've started reading it. And even though it's only early stages, Rob has so far been doing a great job in the book at reinforcing some thoughts for me, such as the following. First, don't overestimate the potential market size and the proportion that I would be able to capture for this product. That's quite important because you can get ideas of grandeur popping in your head and thinking you're going to go everywhere. The reality is you're probably not going to get as much as you think. How that plays into your marketing is quite important. It means that you're going to have to be pretty targeted with who you go for in your early stages of marketing your product. Next up, he mentions getting to know who will buy the product and what their buying decisions might involve. He also talks about focusing on good quality marketing connections with folks rather than going for high burst traffic. One of the key points that I've gotten so far is to get started with marketing early to validate my ideas. And one of the ways to do that is to set up a basic marketing funnel with an initial goal of gradually building up a list of people that might be interested in the product down the line. And that's the progress so far. What's the plan for the next block of work for me? Well, between this episode and the next, this is my plan. I'm going to continue with building up ideas and knowledge for early marketing efforts. Basically, I'm going to keep working through the book, Start Marketing the Day You Start Coding. And following that, I'm going to get into maker mode for a decent chunk of time. That is, I will focus a good amount of my available free time on building some initial parts of my product. It's been a few years since I've done some decent coding, so I'm a little bit rusty. Um, I'm conscious that I'm a bit slower than I would like to be at this stage. So getting back into it will hopefully help trigger my software development muscle memory. Well, that's it for the update. Next up, it's time for a discussion on the main topic of this episode. Personal questions to consider when focusing on products. I have asked myself numerous questions throughout the years in regards to starting a product-based business. The main theme is this, if the potential reward for a product-based business is so high, why haven't I moved into that space sooner? In this topic, I'll go through some of the thoughts that have come to my mind over the years and some questions you might want to ask yourself when making the decision to focus your business on products. First, looking at it from a bootstrapper's point of view, Before we get started, the assumption that I'm working on here is that like me, your decision involves spending your own time and money to create a new product. This includes whether you're the one working on the tools yourself or you're paying someone else 
and managing them to create a product for you. This is sometimes known as bootstrapping your business, i.e. a term spun out of the phrase pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, basically meaning starting your business yourself without external finance and little working capital. The next thing that comes to mind about this is risk and direction setting. When I sat down to write up my notes for this topic, the first thing that came to mind was how I make decisions. Specifically, how do I make decisions about things that involve a fair degree of life direction risk and consequence, such as changing my career direction? Oh, I don't know, let's say moving out of services that you've been doing your entire life so far into something brand new, product development. It turns out I'm fairly conservative, calculating and thoughtful when it comes to risk-taking. For me, large parts of the decision around if and when to start focusing on products in my business are centred on the opportunity cost. When I talk about opportunity cost, I'm referring to what I would have to give up now in order to take the hit of reduced time and income that is inherent in starting a product-based business. How do you feel in terms of taking risks, in terms of your life direction? This sort of thing is definitely helpful to think through. The statistics are generally not in your favour when it comes to launching your own products and growing a business around them. It's important that you go into it with eyes wide open and at least some understanding of how you are likely to react and behave along the way. This ties into the next question to think about, relationships. What does your relationship life look like? Are you single or in a relatively casual relationship or are you in a serious long-term relationship or even a marriage? How will your partner feel about the fact that focusing on products has the opportunity cost of lower, effectively zero income when starting out? How will you contribute to the relationship financially during this time? How do they feel about the fact that it's going to take up a lot of your free time? These are the sort of things you want to ask. Probably related to the one about relationships is the next question. Do you have children or dependents? Are there any kids or other dependents that you need to look after in your life? Can you afford to keep caring for them during the period of reduced income and time early in the life of a developing a product-based business? Remember, caring for children involves providing quality amounts of love, time, attention, guidance, enrichment, overall well-being, etc. It also includes the financial costs that go along with providing things such as food, education, activities. You've just got to be there for them. My daughter and I have this interesting relationship where I come home every day after work and she expects me to be there. And I love that. The fact that she wants me around is so wonderful to me. I do notice it though when I disappear for bouts to go and do work on my product. Sometimes I feel a little bit, mm, I don't know, guilty that I'm not spending the time with her. So I've got to balance that. There might also be other people depending on you in some way, you know, family, friends, people you've committed to, situations like these may have their own unique requirements. Even if you are able to handle it for a few years, what will be the long-term impact in the future if your product isn't successful? Will your children slash dependents miss out on anything that you would have hoped for? What are they going to think about when they look back on it? All right, next question, your own goals and aspirations. The last two points covered others since I find it easy to think about other people and how my decisions could impact them. However, we often neglect to think about ourselves. What sort of goals and aspirations do you have for your own life? Are there things that you hope to experience or achieve? 
if your product business doesn't take off, are there things that you feel you would be willing to sacrifice? If you did have to give things up, how would this make you feel? Working on products definitely takes you down a path for a while and it does have an impact on many other things that you might want to do with your time. It's just pure opportunity cost. You can't do A if you're doing B. Have a think about that. All right, the next question is mental health. How are you with uncertainty and stressful situations? What about periods of isolation? How well do you know yourself? If you did find yourself having a down day or two, how would you respond? Do you have support structures you can rely on, people can reach out to? Are you familiar with mental health resources that you can learn from or tap into if necessary? Now, you might wonder, why would I be talking about mental health in relation to developing products? The truth being, they go hand in hand. It's a wild ride when you develop products. I've seen it. I've had friends involved in it. I've already experienced a little bit of myself, a tiny amount. It's going to happen. So you basically got to go into it, again, eyes wide open. Know what's coming. Know how you think you might respond. Ask yourself, is this, is this the life you want to head towards? If you're okay with it, yeah, sure. One resource that I would actually point people towards in this regard is work from a lady by the name of Sherry Walling. Sherry runs a podcast called Zen Founder, and she also has a bunch of resources in that space where she talks all about mental health for startup founders. So yeah, if that's of interest to you, check it out. Another resource in that space is the work of Arvid Carl. Arvid is the former founder and CEO of a product called Feedback Panda, which he since sold. And nowadays he's working on a project called The Bootstrapped Founder, where he essentially talks about how to start, run, and sell a bootstrapped software as a service company without burning out. A lot of lessons in there for people, even if you're not involved in software as a service. Following this, we talk about the question of finances. While everyone's situation is different, there is a universal truth. Being a human being on planet Earth costs money. As we keep pointing out, in the early days, when you focus on getting a new product up and running, it's likely that there would be reduced income for you. Likely? I would say certain. How much does it cost to have the type of life you're living? Do you have a lot of ongoing expenses or just a few? Which of them are must-haves, i.e. food, shelter versus nice-to-haves, such as things you can probably do without? Can you trim any of your expenses down for a while? Do you have any debt? And if so, is it manageable or are things tight? Is it possible for you to reduce some of your debt? by selling or downsizing certain things that you financed. Looking back, how good are you at setting a budget for yourself and sticking to it? Next up, your strengths. What aspects of product-based business are you strong in? Are you a maker, such as someone that can design and build a product? Are you a manager, someone that is good at running the business administration? Or are you a marketer, someone that has the ability to promote and sell your product? There are many other aspects of successful business, but these are what I feel are the fundamental three, making, managing, and marketing. You'll need to be strong in at least one, most likely two of these areas when it comes to building and running a product-based business. If you're pretty short in a few of those, you might want to think, "Mm, how can you supplement them? Or do you need to go and strengthen your abilities in those areas? That brings me to the next question, weaknesses. Are there any areas that you know about that you're definitely not strong in? How critical are these to building a product-based business in the early days? 
for critical areas that you're not so strong in, you're more than likely need to bring someone in to help. How are you going to do that? Do you have resources available to you? Do you have people you can speak to? Do you have some savings in the bank that you can actually use in times of need? How are you going to prioritize it? So think about that. Everyone's got weaknesses. I've definitely got some and I know I'm not so good at certain things in, when it comes to product development. How am I going to work towards that? Which comes to the next question, planning. Let's look at an example for this one. In the book writing community, the people that create books, authors sometimes refer to themselves as planners or pantsers. Planners are the writers who plan their novels out. Uh, they put a sketch in place of what all the sections are going to be, what the chapter is going to be, what the story arc is going to be like, and then they write to that plan. On the other side, you've got the name pantser, and that refers to people writing stories by the seat of their pants, you know, without a plan. When it comes to business, you're likely to fall into some range of being a planner or a pantser. At one extreme, while it may work for writing a novel, you're unlikely to get very far in business if you don't plan anything at all and just wing your way through everything all the time. On the other end, being overly prescriptive and trying to plan out everything possible is likely to stall your progress and may even cloud your thinking. So knowing where you will sit between these two extremes will definitely help you get ahead faster. So that's the questions. What do you think? These are some of the main questions I've asked myself as I head into the business of products. Asking yourself these types of questions early on can help you gain a deeper insight into your own product-based journey. They say knowledge is power, right? So the more you understand about yourself, the greater the chance that you have of making the most appropriate decisions based on your own situation. Look, I'd very much love to know if there are other important questions that you think an inspiring product founder should ask themselves. So please do reach out and let me know if you do. And as you can probably guess... That's it for the topic today. Now, before we sign out for this episode, I'd like to give a shout out. Thanks this week goes to my friend Zoe Heard. Zoe is the founder of Get Heard. That's getheard.com.au. It's a professional copywriting and proofreading service. And so Zoe knows a thing or two about words. Zoe gave me some good feedback and ideas about speaking of products last week, which I'm very grateful for, and I'm planning on incorporating. Thanks, Zoe. That's awesome. If you like what I've been putting together for you and you want to show your support, please consider visiting patreon.com slash speaking of products and pledging a monthly donation. I'm going to be using those funds to help try and hire a professional podcast editor to take, help me take care of this each week, and I can use that time to get back into my product. If you have a question, feedback or suggestion for a topic, I would love to hear from you. I'd also welcome short snippets about your own product journey, which we might go through on the show. You can get in touch via Twitter at Speak of Products or Mr. Dan Miller. That's my Twitter handle. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Speaking of Products. Please consider giving a rating. Ratings help other people find out about the show. So if you enjoy this show, please visit Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and let us know what you think. Speaking of products is a creation of Miller Productions. I'm Dan Miller, and you're a fantastic product maker. All the best with whatever you're working on. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time. And remember, keep speaking of products.